Now, let's say that uh, the landlord uh, does get approved. And let's say that the tenant owes them $10,000 in back due rent. Do they pay the entire $10,000 or is there a certain percentage that they... Uh, Good question. Um, the, uh, the state would pay 80% of uh, the rent that is owed. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Jose Luis Morales. Welcome back to the Morales Group Show. Uh, this is episode number 59. Uh, today, we've got Anthony. Uh, he's a local attorney here in Southern California. And today, he's going to be educating us today on some of the landlord assistance programs uh, that are out there for ten or for landlords that aren't receiving rents from their tenants. So this is definitely an episode that you do not want to miss. Uh, before we get into it, I want to ask you guys, if you haven't subscribed, please hit the subscribe button, uh, hit the like button and hit the share button. Uh, welcome to the show, Anthony. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, uh, there are some landlords out there that uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, uh, are in a position where their tenants are not paying rent. Uh, some of them have tenants for three months, six months, 12 months, even longer than that. Uh, I hear that there's a program out there that benefits landlords and that uh, allows them to recoup some of that unpaid rent. Uh, can you tell us about that program? What is the name? How does it work? And uh, what are some of the insights that you can share about it? Great. So there's there's a few programs out there for California landlords. I'm uh -huh. going to particularly pay, pay close attention to the state one and probably the one for the city of Los Angeles. Uh -huh. um, there was it was federal. It's basically federal funding that allowed uh, the state of California to provide uh, renters assistance. Uh -huh. The little difference between this program and some of the ones that started in the beginning of the pandemic uh -huh. um, are that these programs a landlord can actually apply. With the, but you'll the landlord will need that the tenant's assistance uh -huh. in order for some of the documentation about the ten, about the tenant. Um, one is from the state of California, which is accessible on a website at housing.ca.gov, uh -huh. and the second is through the city of Los Angeles for landlords within the city of LA. Uh -huh. That is through the housing uh, department hcidla.lacity.org. Okay. And are these two different programs or are they the same program? Just the application process is different. Uh, these are the same program. So uh -huh. the, for example, if you're a landlord in the city of LA and in certain uh -huh. other areas, you aren't able to qualify under the state program. You would actually have to qualify under the local program. Perfect. Okay. And then I know that Ventura County has a program like that as well too, or so I read, uh, do, do they have a website as well too, or? One, Ventura County, I believe, uh, let me confirm with you, uh, uh -huh. Ventura County actually is within the state program. So that one, you could actually go to the statewide website uh -huh. and a Ventura County uh -huh. landlord could uh, apply under that program. Fantastic. Okay, good. And then what does the application process look like? Like, I know that you said that a landlord could actually apply, but they may need some, some of the tenant's assistance. Uh, what does that process look like and what how would the landlord need the tenant's assistance or in what way? Sure. So um, there's a few documents you're going to need as the landlord that the landlord would have. For example, you need a copy of a rental agreement. 
Uh-huh. We may need to provide some sort of ledger mm-hmm. that shows that the amount of what the amount of rent that is owed. Uh-huh. Um, they're going to show they want to see some sort of ownership interest. So they're probably going to need to see a deed of some type okay. that shows that the landlord actually owns the property. Uh-huh. Now, these programs are actually meant to really focus on low income residents. Mm-hmm. So on the tenant side, they're going to have to show that they qualify. And under most programs, I believe the state and the city program, uh, both of them require that the tenant fall below 80% of the uh, average income for the area. Mm-hmm. Now, what that means is the, the tenant is going to have to show some sort of documentation, pay stubs, uh, uh, EDD money or something like that, mm-hmm. showing that they qualify that they fall within those programs. So for example, if you have a high income tenant whose rent is $10,000 a month, that landlord may not qualify Qualify. for uh, rent assistance. Okay. So essentially this program is a little little different because this will actually get paid. uh, Landlords would actually get paid directly from the state or from the city. Perfect. Okay. So essentially it's meant to help. So the way that it's calculated, you take a look at the median income for your area and then you multiply that by 80%. And essentially the tenant has to make less than that in order for the landlord to potentially be able to qualify for the assistance. Uh, Correct. It's also important to notice when you do the, if anyone's looking at uh, the average income for the median income for the area, you also have to go by the number of people the tenant is reporting as living in the household. So for example, the median income would be different if you had a four person household or a seven person household or a one person household, it's vastly different. So that makes a little bit of a difference when the, when the landlord applies. Okay. So it's basically based on that. Now, where could somebody go to find the median income for their area? Is there a website like that or? I believe it's on the housing.ca.gov. Okay. And my suggestion would be, even if you're, if you don't know what the tenant's income is, a landlord may want to still apply uh-huh. unless you're in a situation where you have a tenant that's you know, clearly outside that realm. Mm-hmm. But um, because people may have faced a financial hardship in 2020 and currently, uh, they may be making lower income than they were than they were, you know, when they applied for the apartment in 2018, for example. Mm-hmm. So it might be worth talking to the tenant and kind of seeing where they are in terms of what their income is currently. Now, what happens if, like, for whatever reason, that relationship has been strained because of a lack of payment from the tenant? Like, uh, like, what if a tenant doesn't have any cooperation from their or a landlord doesn't have any cooperation from their tenant? Um, is there anything that that landlord in particular can do or just apply and express to them that uh, your tenant don't, won't tell you how much income they make or, or how, how would that work? I still think it's a good idea to apply. Uh-huh. Um, my suggestion is if you have an email address or by text message so that it's mm-hmm. in writing to make sure you ask as a landlord to ask the tenant uh, to provide the documents once you do file, once a landlord does file that application and perhaps even show a screenshot or a printout copy of what's required from the state or from the city or from the county mm-hmm. um, to show a tenant that they have to provide that information or they should provide that information. And um, it, it would serve both parties' interest because there are certain protections with regards to evictions where if it's seen that a tenant or a landlord is not attempting at least to uh, try to get some assistance from this program. 
Okay. So essentially, um, if so, so can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure. Cause I might, and my suggestion would be, cause I know some tenants may be wary if a landlord just knocks on the door and says, I need to, I need pay, your pay stumps right now. Oh yeah. Um, so that's what I'm suggesting. If you can go out as a landlord, you know, maybe provide the screenshot or the, the printout of what's actually required from the state of California and to not do, and not, and not just knock on someone's door and ask for these documents. Cause I could see a tenant being very wary about that. Oh, yeah. And, um, when the eviction processes can start in the summertime, my concern is is that if it, if a landlord is shown that they did not at least attempt to make uh, to get government assistance from these programs, that uh, they may not be able to evict. And there's a number of laws which we won't get into today about the eviction process in the summertime. But one of the additional things is um, that the that the landlord or and the tenant have at least attempted to to reach out to these programs. Because in my mind, um, compared to some of the other programs, these will be somewhat well-funded right now. Okay. So there may be, it's not that they're going to run out of money very quickly like the other, like some of the other programs did when the beginning of COVID occurred. Mm -hmm. um, I think this one might actually last for a while. So I think that, you know, as a, as a landlord, they, you know, I think although a landlord should apply sooner than later, I think um, there will be, there will be hopefully enough money that uh, landlords who do need it or want it will be able to get some. Yeah. W would you recommend that uh, even though it could be well-funded, do you recommend that they apply the sooner the better if they are looking for assistance? Uh, because Yes. Okay. Apply the sooner the better if you can apply. Um, I think it's always better because I think, um, although there have been some uh, advertisements I've seen for it, uh -huh. And, you know, people are starting to mention it. I think as it becomes more common, uh, you may see even more of it. And my concern is, of course, that there's there's limited funding, although I'm not saying it's um, unlimited. And mm -hmm. so eventually it will run out. So it's always better to try to apply for it earlier than later. Okay, perfect. Okay. And then I know that you mentioned that they might require some proof of ownership. Obviously, they, they might require some information for the tenant. Anything else that kind of stands out to you? Uh, off the top of your head that they might no, those are the big ones you would rent uh, the rental agreement um, documents regarding ownership One second. perhaps um, the property tax statement they may need insurance information I think mo more of it is leaning towards that you know you're the owner of the property mm -hmm. to avoid any sort of fraud claims okay perfect and then once like a landlord applies to these programs how do they keep up with it is there like an online portal where there's an online, so all these programs are actually online now so there's online portals and there'll be email updates to all of them okay. and i believe the city one is email updates and i believe the statewide one is for the most part an all like an online portal that you could probably check and okay. see if uh, it's been it's been accepted or when payments are going to be made and if it's been denied or for whatever reason, what other documents are required of you. Okay, perfect. Now let's say that uh, the landlord uh, does get approved and let's say that the tenant owes them $10,000 in back due rent. Do they pay the entire $10,000 or is there a certain percentage that they- uh, Good question. Um, the, uh, the state would pay 80% of uh -huh. the rent that is owed. Okay. So they would pay 80%. Mm -hmm. But it's important to know that if you're a landlord and saying, well, what about the 20%? Uh, the state is asking that if you accept the 80% figure, that you would waive the 20% uh, rent owed. 
But my concern is, is that as a, on the landlord's end, it may sound like a better deal than it, it sounds like a better deal than it even is, I think, because under the statewide eviction moratorium, a tenant is only obligated to pay 25% of the rent in order to avoid eviction. And so if they pay 25% of rent owed by June 30th, they avoid an eviction and the landlord has to turn around and then file a small claims lawsuit yeah. to get the balance of the 75%. Uh-huh. So a landlord in my mind might be in a worse position by doing that, by getting the 25% and then also the, and having to sue for the 75% than perhaps just getting the 80%. I, I, I'm on the same boat as you. I think it's, it sounds like more appealing because the reality is that once, I mean, if you go to small claims court, getting a judgment is one thing, collecting is a completely other thing. You know, like being Correct. able to on any funds is a completely different animal. Anyone who's ever gotten a judgment um, will understand that judgments are somewhat difficult to sometimes collect on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible and some it, dep- it depends on every tenant situation, but generally uh, collections can only go against a tenant's wages, um, bank accounts, and if they own any real property. And so those are your kind of your three big avenues of collections. So if you're, um, if you have a tenant that does not have any money, um, generally it's going to be somewhat difficult to get collections from them. Okay. Do you know, how long, do you know how long it's, it's going to take for landlords to get their money? Like, let's say that I apply today. It's just like a 30 day process a 60 day. Since it's, a, since it's such a new program, I actually don't, no, um, you know, and I don't know from just practical experience because it's such a new program how long it will take for the money to actually start flowing once you do the application process and how long the application process actually takes. Again, because it's such a new program, um, some of my clients have slowly started to get the um, put the applications together, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of them just just because it's only been two weeks, a lot of them are still kind of waiting on it. Yeah. Now, what happens like after the fact? So let's say, let's just fast forward. Uh, it's May. I receive the 80%. I've forgiven the remaining 20%. So we're at square one. Um, is the tenant required to start making payments at that point? And- so state law, state law would say that the tenant is required to start making full payments of rent on July 1st. Mm. So if you apply now, I don't, um, I believe that you may be able to even apply for April. Well, now it is April, but for May and June's rent. Mm-hmm. But then after July 1st, a, a, a tenant is responsible to pay the entire amount of rent. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the COVID rules that we have addressing evictions are going to change again, going reverting back to uh, the three-day notices that people are familiar with. Yeah. However, that's yeah. assuming that things don't get extended in June sometime. Now, does this law have any future restrictions for landlords? Like, let's say that come July 1st, the tenant doesn't pay uh, their rent. And let's say that uh, the eviction moratorium doesn't get extended. Uh, just because they accepted the money from the government, does, does that prohibit a um, uh, 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 eviction process in any way, shape or form if they miss payments after July 1st, as long as that doesn't get extended or changed? The after the after July first period is going to be an entirely new period, so I don't believe so. 
Mm-hmm. I think, um, but you cannot evict for the per- the period before the June thirtieth for any amounts that are owed. That's why it's important for that landlord to make sure to put all the amount of money that's owed. Perfect. Uh, when you say it's important for them to put all the amount of money that is owed, what do, what do you mean by that? You know, if a tenant owes um, for the entire amount since March through current, to uh-huh. indicate that on the application. Uh-huh. Remember, as a landlord, and uh, it's important to note that uh, the state will not pay for any late fees and other tra- types of charges other than rent. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you wouldn't be able to collect that anyway at this point. So it's important to note that. So it's just the rent. So it's really important to keep a good ledger. And if you do have partial payments to indicate that on the application, you can. Yeah, but let me ask you this, and this might be a little complicated, but I have a client who bought a property in uh, December of last year, and the tenant has been behind on, uh, since March. Do you think that landlord would be able to collect since March, or do you think it would probably be from December, from the time that he took ownership? So generally, right now, you can't sell COVID-19 debt, which would be the debt from March through December. Uh-huh. So a landlord generally can only, because they're only, we're only entitled to rent starting on the date that they uh, took ownership, um, you generally are not able to go after the rent for a prior landlord. Of course. Okay. From, I, mean, I mean, that was owed to a prior landlord, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I yeah. think, um, so for that, for that particular client, if you bought in December, you would uh, most likely only be able to start, uh, t- say that you didn't receive rent in January. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And then, w- um, I, uh-huh. I, no, I, I was going to say, because unless they're, generally you work, you, you used to be able to assign the amount of money, but I don't, under the new COVID laws, you're not able to assign that money. So you wouldn't be able to, you would only be able to collect from the future, uh, future ownership or when you owned it from the day you owned it. And then if somebody sold a property already and the tenant's no longer there, could they collect? Or since they sold it already, it wouldn't uh, be part of the program? I actually don't think it would be part of the program because I think it's to, it's it really is aimed at protecting to keep people in their homes. Yeah. So at this point, it would probably not be. Perfect. That makes sense. Okay. Now, I know that you said- But, but again, that, but then again I don't, that I don't know off the top of my head. But you may, so you may want to check the application process, but I'm almost positive it wouldn't be. Yeah. Now, what about utilities? Like, let's say that the landlord pays utilities for the tenant on a single family residence. Are they entitled to recoup? You, I know you said no late fees, um, but are they entitled for utilities at all or or no? no? No. No. If a utility, let's say, for example, if a landlord is paying the water bill on a property and you have a tenant that's not paying, unfortunately, there's no way to recoup that. There are other assistance programs involving water bills. But uh, when it comes to the rent itself, you're only you're basically only because that's not a bill that you that a landlord is passing on to the tenant. It's a separate, it's just a bill that the landlord has. So there are other programs I know with water uh, water bills, electric bills, and mm-hmm. etc. Um, there are programs out there that are helping people if you aren't able to pay, and I believe there's still a. Um, uh, a some rule somewhere that says they're unable to cut off uh, services right now if we're not payment but if it's not a bill that you transfer to the tenant that the tenant's obligated to pay these are this is simply to for the rent for the so rent. if it's a if it's a utility bill that somehow is obligated to be paid by the tenant as part of the rent package mm-hmm. then yes but that would because ultimately it's a bill that, that the tenant is supposed to pay 
Yeah. But not if, and it would be considered rent. But if it's just a the water bill, uh, it's not. And it's uh, and this is a question that comes since you mentioned it. It's a question that comes up a lot. If you have a tenant that has not paid for a year, and if, even if they have not paid for a month, uh, the tenant, can, the landlord cannot shut off services, meaning they cannot shut off the water, cannot shut off the power, or the gas, uh, terminate landscaping or something like that, yeah. because uh, the tenant simply not paying. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, uh, something that some landlords think that they can do that, that they can turn off the utilities. But no, you can get in a lot of trouble if you do that. Right. There's a lot of liability for a landlord that does something like that. Um, I would never suggest under any situation. It's illegal and, and it's not a good idea. No. It really will make a bad problem much worse. Absolutely. Good. Um, is there anything that we missed that you think would be helpful for our landlord uh, clients? Uh, the landlord clients, if you do have tenants that are owing a substantial amount of money at this point, particularly ones that have not paid since March, mm -hmm. it might be starting to be a good idea to talk to your tenants about possible payment plans or mm -hmm. to uh, or for the applications to the government assistance programs. Mm -hmm. um, as I said earlier, the eviction process, if a landlord believes that they should just go evict this person on July 1st because they haven't paid the rent, there's a number of laws that protect tenants uh, due to COVID-19 and also the length of the eviction process once we're, once um, uh, landlords are able to evict at that point uh, for these reasons, for non-payment cases are, are going to be pretty long. And so I think uh, it would serve everyone's interest to try to come up with some plans uh, with regards to payment or some sort of move out idea um, on both sides. I'm all, I'm, I, my first, generally, my first suggestion when anyone calls my office is to try to talk for a landlord and tenant to try to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. It generally is the best way to at least start a conversation about payments. Mm -hmm. But I, I do know from a lot of stories that uh, some tenants are ignoring the landlord upon mm -hmm. multiple requests. And if that's the case, you may want to start the application process. But I would always suggest that, you know, in writing, Try to tell the try to tell the land to the tenant what kind of documents you'll need that you're being asked for by the state for the for the relief programs. Perfect. Okay, sounds good. Um, where could people find you if they wanted to get a hold of you? Sounds good. My office is located here in Glendale. Uh, my phone number is 818-839-5220. and my website is marinacciolaw.com. Perfect. And those are the best ways to get a hold of me. And um, I am available for consultations. Sounds good. So this was episode number 59 of the Morales Group. Uh, if you have any questions, you can reach out to Anthony uh, directly uh, in the comment box. If you want to ask anything, uh, you can ask it. And obviously, we'll do our best to, to answer it. If you haven't subscribed, once again, feel free to hit that subscribe button, uh, like it, and share it. Uh, thanks so much, everybody. Episode number 59, Morales Group Show a landlord assistance programs for tenants that are not paying their rent. Make it a great day. Thank you for having me.